Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman. Patrick Burchett is the marketing manager at Joseph Beth Booksellers in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, Patrick, welcome to the program. Uh, Tell me how independents are doing these days. Hi. uh, Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I think right now independent bookstores are in a really great spot. Uh, It seems that the online retailers, places like Amazon, which started as a book business, have seemed to plateau a little bit, and people are really going back into the community and really supporting these independents. And here in Lexington, I think we're lucky to have a ton of really great ones, including Joseph Beth. How many uh, independents uh, um, would you say are in in the state of Kentucky? Do you, do you have any idea? Would you? I mean, are there a dozen I or so? I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I know he, just here in Lexington alone. I mean, there's there's us, there's Glovers, there's Black Swan. I mean, in Louisville, there's Carmichael's. I would say probably in the state of Kentucky, there's probably more than more than fifty or sixty. Yeah. Is my yeah. guess. Uh huh. And so. Um, I um, have been around long enough uh, to know that uh, at, at one time, uh, and and for our listeners too, I think we want to distinguish between uh, an independent versus uh, what a, a corporate uh, bookstore like a Barnes and Noble or how, how do you term? Yeah, that? Um, so I think really what makes us independent um, is more than just our independent spirit. Um, we're never told what to sell or what to pick, or you know, we're not co-opted by big publishers to to just be like well i need you to sell a hundred thousand copies of james patterson's new book which i i think barnes and noble is um and you know we have a lot of freedom as an independent with our booksellers which is what really makes us shine um to sort of pick what they really like to read and and to push that and you know if if a bookseller comes up to us and they're like you know i really really love this book can we order more in you know, we don't have to fill out a giant thing of paperwork. We can be like, yeah, I've got your 10 copies tomorrow. Like, if you think you can sell it, it'll sell. And I think our booksellers and, you know, our freedom of what to choose. And that's what really makes us independent. And I think, too, that um, uh, it's always, uh, for me, honestly, it's a, it's, it's a bit sad uh, when uh, at, at some time an independent is struggling and, and can't uh, make it. Uh, I remember, and a good friend of mine uh, was the owner uh, of Holly Cook in Louisville, which was, I just thought every time I went into Holly Cook uh, and their different branches, it was like Nirvana. I mean, it was just such a beautiful store. And it was really before Joseph Beth, I think. I mean, they were sort of early on and, and did so well in the Louisville market for so many years. And, and honestly, about the time that Amazon really cranked it up and Jeff Bezos came in there with a, a fury and and I think and, and th- there were other other competition I mean there, there was uh, the Barnes and Noble and and, um, and, and others too um, I remember uh, Davis Kidd in Nashville I don't know if you were ever there I, it was very much like Joseph Beth very much like like Holly Cook and uh, uh, disappeared uh, so uh, how many Joseph Beth outlets are there 
we have three stores. Um, there's one, and they're all pretty much in the same area. Um, we have the original location, which is here in Lexington. There's one in Cincinnati in Norwood, that area. And then there's one in Crestview Hills, which is back over the river in Kentucky again. Um, and really all the locations were in areas that were somewhat lacking bookstores. Um, you know, in Crestview Hills, it was, it was a Barnes and Noble or, a borders that had closed and you know we went in there and we're like well we don't want to see all these people go without these books so you know we opened it up but but going back to when independents have have trouble I mean you know we went through a rough patch too um, which I'm sure people remember but but you know I think I think it's our independence that makes us strong and I think going through that makes us stronger as a bookstore and and you know the fact that we can persevere I think will win out and I, th I Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No. Oh, I was just going to say, and I think, you know, as, as much as it pains me to say it, I, if I feel like if other independents can press it, just, just press on, like, you know, it, it will get better. Um, cause we see that right now, the trend right now is up. All independents are up. So, I mean, and we're happy for it. Definitely. Book sales are back. I, th I think what's pretty cool is when you learn of, uh, an author, uh, a writer who has purchased a, a, a bookstore and opened a bookstore, and that's happening, it seems like, a lot. Of course, Krista Wilkinson, uh, the noted uh, uh, writer um, who teaches at Berea and uh, has her bookstore here uh, with her partner, um, uh, Wild Figs, uh, on North Limestone. Uh, uh, there was recently an article in the New York Times, I think they featured in and interviewed five authors about what they were reading, uh, five authors who own bookstores. And Pernessus is one of those. Uh, Ann Patchett owns that yeah. in Nashville. And and again, if, if people are traveling, in fact, I would just say it's worth a trip uh, <laughs> to, to Music City uh, to just to visit her a bookstore in Green Hills. It's a great little uh, bookstore. And I say little, I mean, she's expanded. Uh, uh, her business is going so well. They've knocked out the store uh, wall next to them and purchased that, and and I think she's added some coffee and goodies and and great books. Yeah, I I think Parnassus is wonderful as well. I mean, I've been down there a couple times. Uh, I really like Crystal and Ron's shop. I I live like right around the corner on Third Street, so I mean, I'm not too far away. Yeah. Um, but I think it's wonderful. I mean, there's so many authors that are are proprietors now, and it's I mean if you know, Ann Patchett's got the care and feeding of an independent. And I mean, you look through it and it's like, well, you know, I loved books, so I thought I'd do this. And it was a lot more work than we all expected. <laughs> but I think they're all, you know, yeah. stronger for it. And I think they love, it's for the love of books. And that's, you know, that's why we all yeah. do it, really. Yeah. You know, the other thing uh, that, that I've just reminded of this, and, and, and Ann Patchett uh, happened to be the one that wrote this, uh, and this was back a few months ago, uh, she wrote a piece on how to um, construct a a vacation to visit all the great bookstores uh, around. You know, all the all the all the stores in the South, and and there were some others. I guess I, I don't know if she how how far she went out. Maybe she went out to Seattle or, or Portland or whatever. But uh, I. I I'd love to do that. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you like to do oh, that? Oh, every time uh -oh. I go on vacation anywhere, I visit yeah. their independent bookstores. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites is actually because I worked in children's literature for a while. Uh, one of my favorites is the Little Shop of Stories in Decatur, in Georgia. And I've never place, been there, and and I just read about that recently. It's magical. I mean, it's everything that you would expect, and they have these these wonderful week long summer programs that sell out like instantly in in 
you know, in like January and February. Uh, they're just a wonderful children's bookstore. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to put that on my bucket list someday to, 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 to visit that one and, and others too. As project manager for Joseph Beth, uh, booksellers, what does that really mean? Oh, uh, so I'm the marketing manager and what I do is I host and facilitate most of the author events. Um, I help bring in local authors and local talent as well as doing, um, you know, being over book fairs to a small degree because we also do book fairs to help out with the schools because normally it's just scholastic but but we do book fairs as well and we give half of the money back to the schools um, and I also am over the business to business transactions that we do with large orders for people like Alltech and and companies like that and governments mostly it's mostly governments and schools when they need books you know I'll get them their books too and have you been a, a lifelong reader I have. Um, high school actually, and I hate to say this, high school burned me out for a little bit because there was so much required reading, but I really fell back in love with it in college. But, hmm. you know, before I had to read, I read every day. Like I would, my mom hates it, but I would stay up <laughs> until two and three in the morning reading yeah. and she would just come in and turn off my light and my light switch <laughs> is right next to my door and I would not get back out of bed to turn it back on. But, <laughs> But what, yeah, what, what did you read then? Well, how how has your reading um, choice genre uh, changed, or has it stayed the same? I it's changed a lot actually. Um, when I was a kid, I would just dive into fantasy like head first. There was you know his Dark Materials was wonderful, which I heard Philip Pullman is doing a follow up. Mm trilogy to that which you know i'm excited about but things like you know even r.a salvatore and like the wizards of the coast stuff uh it's it was all just so wonderful you know it started with tolkien and which i read and i actually couldn't finish the two towers the first time i picked it up because there's 400 pages of pippin walking with a tree um but yeah fantasy i fell headlong into um i also loved uh Oh, what is that book called? Um, a Wrinkle in Time. Oh. That was one of my favorites as yeah. a child. How did your reading habits and choices change from uh, your early years, your, your school years, to, to being in college? So, I mean, in, in high school, we had to read a lot of classics, which I loved a lot of them, but I also hated a lot of them. Uh, like, Wuthering Heights really burned me out. And that's, I'm not saying it's a bad book, but I think if you're going to go gothic and try to merge <laughs> it with Victorian romance, like, you need to do one or the other. Like, Dorian Gray is great, uh -huh. right? Emma is a great book. Like, Pride and Prejudice is great. Wuthering Heights, I just, I never found interesting or fun. Uh, but also, like, Kate Chopin's The Awakening, I did not like it all. And I know it's it's a cornerstone of feminist literature. And I love her short fiction, but The Awakening, I just, you know, I just wanted her to go for it the whole time, and she never <laughs> really did. And I understand that the tension's a part of it. But but so after after high school and having to read and getting totally burnt out on those things, um, I went to college and I majored in marketing and advertising. And so there wasn't a whole lot of reading, but I filled my electives with English and philosophy classes mm. because... I think that really rounds people out. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think everybody should read The Republic by Plato I, because it just makes you a better person understanding mm -hmm. that you need to understand. Mm -hmm. um, 
but yeah, now it's it's like literary fiction, and I love the classics again because I wasn't forced to read them. Like Moby Dick, I never had to read. Uh, I read it, and I thought it was one of the funniest books I've ever picked up. And he <laughs> funny? I think it's hysterical. <laughs> I mean, Queequeg is yeah probably one of my favorite characters in classic literature. And then he'll just go in these ten chapter asides about like how to make a spear out of bone or like. <laughs> you know, what the ship is made of and why it's made of that and how to carve scrimshaw. And you're like, okay, yeah. Melville, like this is really uh -huh. odd. Useful. Yeah, useful. <laughs> yeah, um, odd and useful. Yeah, um, you know, and me and my friends loved that book. Uh, my friend actually, for his bachelor party, we went to New Bedford to do the Moby Dick Marathon. Oh, which wow. Is, you know, yeah. not everybody's idea of a great bachelor <laughs> party, but, you know, we had a blast. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, I read, I really do love literary fiction, but I have to space it out because, you know, some things are so dense. Like right now, I just finished um, Jordan Harper's She Rides Shotgun, which is light and gritty. It's phenomenal. I wrote, you know, a four page review and sent it to the publisher because I just couldn't get enough of really? it. Really? Now, what's yeah. that one again? It's called She Rides Shotgun, and it's by Jordan Harper. Hmm. He also, um, I was first introduced to him by the publishing rep, and she said, I think you'll really like this. And she handed it to me and this um, other bookseller that was working there at the time, Austin. And it was just so wonderful because his first, his first thing that came out was a collection of short stories, and it was trade paper original, didn't have a great first printing um, but we read it and we just couldn't get enough of it. It's hyper real and it's it's gritty and it's sort of like, I guess the comp that they use is like Breaking Bad meets, you know, literature. It's <laughs> it's drugs. It's prison. It's um, it's got you know all the good stuff. All the good stuff. Yeah. Um, but it really the gritty side of life. Yeah, and he worked in the author Jordan Harper worked in television for a while too, writing mm -hmm. scripts and. I mean, that just comes, you can visualize every bit of the novel. And, oh, I read the book in three hours and, you know, I just couldn't put it down. <laughs> uh, so do you read uh, nonfiction? I am not the biggest nonfiction reader, mm -hmm. but if I find a topic that I really want to get lost into, mm -hmm. I can eat it up. Uh, Mary Beard's SPQR was the last nonfiction mm -hmm. that I read in. That book is awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you love Roman history at all... Um, I think people call it slightly revisionist just because she takes she takes time some license or or no she takes time to try to figure out how oh. everybody lived you mm -hmm. know in the same vein that people call Howard Zinn revisionist history it's trying to take the perspective of the lesser at the time which is not usually publicized what's the difference between a revisionist and historical fiction so i think people refer to uh oh uh historical fiction is is not real stories that take place in um, a particular period of time. So it's like a period film. You know, you watch Gangs of New York and, you know, you understand that that didn't actually happen, but it's taking it's taking its place in history. So it's it's, uh, you know, New York right at the base of New York and and when it's really founding and, you know, we've got all the immigrant problems and everything. And those were real problems. But then you have this narrative that's not true being woven through that historical yep. context. Whereas revisionist history, I think, is is what people refer to as, you know, when a history book will go into detail and research and it's all nonfiction and it will try to change some of the commonly held beliefs that people had 
of that period of the people um so that sort of thing so um you know howard zinn's a people's history mm, yeah. was considered revisionist history because it's mm -hmm. like hey do you remember japanese internment yeah nobody else does either but this was really crazy and this really happened mm -hmm. um so i think i think um mary beard went into a lot of topics like um you know how women were treated in ancient rome you know there were people who were landowners, uh, females that were landowners, um, you know, in the transition between like the Senate and everything else. So I think I think it was referred to as slightly revisionist, but mm -hmm. it's a great book. And if you want to know more about Rome, I think that one is a really good one to pick up, as well as, you know, the actual contemporary Roman historians that were writing about their own time. I mean, there's tons of stuff that you can read about. Um, Who's your fa favorite Kentucky writer? Oh, not that they're going to listen to this, Thompson? and, and uh, that's good, you know. He's certainly I mean, I Kentucky. Really, I really enjoy his yeah. work, but I yeah. think uh, I think that's a little bit of a guilty pleasure. Yeah, and a guilty pleasure to say that. Um, but I, I do love um, a lot of of Lexington authors that we have right now are amazing. I mean, we've got David Arnold, who I can't wait to pick up his next book. I don't know if I'm actually allowed to say what it is or what it's about, but I am super excited for it. Uh, his first book, Mosquito Land, was amazing. Um, his when, when will book, David's new book come out? I uh, have, is it? I think he is sending it into the publishers, so I think maybe a oh, year. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I I love his work. Um, you know, there's Mary Knight who just wrote about Eastern Kentucky in her book Saving Wonder, and that's isn't a that a terrific book? book? And she's I a friend of mine, and, uh, and 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 did she's gotten such great uh, acceptance for that uh, that work. Yeah, I mean, I read really it honored for it. My uh, my dad's family's all from Prestonsburg, and uh -huh. you know we go back there all the time, and it's it's such a real struggle, like yeah. that balance of we have to survive but at the same time like what we're doing is also killing people yeah. like it's it's tough and i think she handled it in a very yeah. graceful authentic I, I way yeah. um but yeah saving wonder i mean it's up for um an award from the ohio anna library association right now which is which is great i think i think she's wonderful um we've also got sarah combs uh light fantastic she's and that's a wonderful book as well um there's so much talent. I mean, Crystal Wilkinson, I love her short stories. I love her fiction. Um, I have never met anybody who could weave a composite novel as tightly as she can, and for it to make so much sense and to be so real. And her dialogue, she is a master of dialogue and vernacular, and I think that that is something that is so authentically Kentucky that it's hard to get away from it. I feel blessed to live in Lexington where we have all this. Well, of course, talent. it's not just Lexington. I mean, well, right. it's, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's really uh, Kentucky, and it's, there's been great writing uh, out of the East and the West, as well as Central. <laughs> and, yeah. and um, of course, Louisville uh, has a number of, uh, of homegrown authors uh, there. Uh, gosh, I don't know how many people know that, that Sue Grafton is a, is a Louisville, still lives there. I mean, yeah. she's a native, and... and I, I think is she about to Z? I mean, I, I I don't think she's quite made it yet. Uh, is she's pretty close though? I think she's I think got she Y is. or something or W. She's she's way down the alphabet. Um, so, 
Uh, if you were to give uh, listeners just a, a, a couple of, you've, you've already done that quite well, a couple of uh, suggestions on maybe people who are coming to Joseph Beth in the next, let's say, two or three months or so, or something that you, uh, you've you got scheduled uh, that, that you've read or that you've heard is really uh, very readable and, and, and will be interesting, um, who, who would you suggest? Uh, well, next month, and I'm not 100% sure on the air date, but we have... Um, Christopher Rowe, who is the husband of Gwenda Bond, who wrote the Lois Lane books. Oh, okay. Uh, he, and he writes short fiction. Um, it's it's science fiction, and it's it's really good. It's fantastic. I just am working through his um, his new collection that's coming out called Telling the Map, and some of the stories in there will just blow your mind because it's such. It is so very much the South, and it's so very much Kentucky oh. in this alternate sort of science fiction world um and it's a wonderful futuristic look or the first story at least is a wonderful futuristic look at something like you know the kentucky derby and how you know human robot relations oh. are going to potentially work in the future um <laughs> is he is he going to be a joseph beth in july yes okay. he will be a joseph beth All in right. july we're going to host him on the 11th which is actually when his collection comes out and you know i implore everybody to be there because uh-huh. he's also one of our our wonderful local talents here in Lexington. I mean, there really are almost too many to count. Okay, who else uh, or, or what other um, uh, uh, book or, or author would you suggest uh, someone read within the next two or three months, let's say? Um, well, he's not coming to the store. I would love it if he did, but J.D. Wilkes wrote this book that was published out of an independent publisher called $2 Radio, hmm. um, and his book is titled The Vine That Ate the South, and it is just... If you can imagine every sort of paranormal viscera, you know, taking place in the hills of Kentucky, like oh. vampires are out there. Like, it's really, really uh, wonderful, but it's also like some of the blurbs on the book, it's like on the back in big bold letters, it says, this book will mess you up. And, you know, it's not a lie, but it's it's like this wonderful, gritty, like grindhouse feel. Um and two dollar radio does a great job at that, uh, but yeah, I would love to have JD Wilkes. Um, two dollar radio is a great independent press, and you know, find that at the South is is amazing. So give me one more, one more book. Um, Josh Mallerman just released a new book, and this isn't like the literary fiction that you know, but uh, his first book was called The Bird Box. His next book is called Black Mad Wheel, and that just came out, and it's. He writes horror, but he writes horror and he conceptually will just throw you off like from the beginning. So the bird box is about this, this thing happens and there are these things on earth. And if you see them, you either go completely crazy or you kill yourself. And so everybody (laughs) starts blindfolding themselves and interacting. The survivors are all blindfolded and they're interacting, you know, gardening out in the blindfold they're living in houses that are completely boarded up and they haven't seen the outside because they they know what how that how it operates yeah and they have no idea when or what is going on or when it's going to end um and his next book black mad wheel is actually about this sound that's coming out of the ground in egypt and these people who are sent to investigate it and it's a similar thing, but it's totally different. And he just writes horror in such an inventive and new way that I think everybody should pick it up because it's really amazing. You, um, 
uh, love writing and love uh, authors and, and reading and uh, have you tried to you you wrote a four page uh, <laughs> a synopsis yeah. or a review or a critique of uh, of one of these books? Uh, do, do, do you also do some writing? I do. Um, I write mostly just for myself personally. I wouldn't want anybody else to read it. Um, my mother did this thing when I That's was That's what a, uh, a budding young uh, writer always says. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> somebody finds it uh, on a street corner and you're famous. Oh, I, I don't want to be famous. But my mother used to do this thing when I was in grade school. Whenever I would write a paper, um, she would print it out. She would sit me down at the table and then she would read the whole thing out loud. Like I, and I knew what it said, you know, but she would stumble over every mistake I made. And I think genuinely it made me a better writer because I was able to hear those mistakes that I was making. But at the same time, you know, it's a bit scarring. Yeah, reading aloud is, uh, is, a, is a great practice for writing uh, for writers. And uh, that's something that, uh, that uh, every uh, young writer should probably uh, do more of, is to read their work aloud. It's, uh, well, Patrick Burchett um, from Joseph Beth Booksellers, uh, you've been a great guest. We'll have to have you back. Uh, we talked off mic about coming back for a... Um, a, a review or a critique or um, of, of a new book that you, you could probably uh, supply us and, and give to a couple of other uh, reviewers, and then we'll have a discussion. Uh, 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 some people listening, uh, you would not remember this, uh, uh, will remember the book club at KET where we read all Kentucky books by Kentucky authors, and we had a, a television discussion uh, around the table with some some wonderful people. Um, those folks are still around, and uh, maybe we could bring them in for a, a book discussion. Yeah, I would love it. I mean, um, EKU has a book club. Um, WVXU, actually, they sponsor a show at 7 o'clock on Saturday morning that's all about books and book talks. Um, you know, Mac's doing the radio show. Yeah, Mac McCormick. Yeah, um, right. Mac McCormick from University Press of Kentucky is doing the uh, uh, the the, in, the uh, small um uh, uh, low power radio station yeah. in Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. I think, I think, you know, if you're a writer, right. I mean, I think we have wonderful resources here in Lexington that, that will help you. I mean, there's the Carnegie center, there's Joseph Beth and we do programs. There's the humanities council that'll do programs. Like I think the resources are there. We have a great MFA program at UK, which is, you know, headed by Manuel Gonzalez, who I don't know if you've read his book, but that's also yeah. like, that one's a quick read. I read that one in, in four hours, yeah. and I couldn't put it down. Five MFA programs in Kentucky, which is pretty uh, pretty remarkable, um, a- including the one at UK, uh, uh, Spalding, Murray, uh, Western, Eastern, and, and UK. Yeah, just, just uh, incredible. So uh, once again, uh, thanks for being here, and we'll have you back. All right, thank you. It was a pleasure. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. SoundCloud.